Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Let's Talk Forex, Alison and Chris. This week, we're talking about the Hamas-Israel conflict and uh, the fundamental aspects of that conflict and how it's affected markets. And it, and it draws into a wider conversation about fundamental analysis of conflicts and what you need to look at in order to see how they're going to affect the market prices. As always, if you've got any questions, send them through to podcast at fxscouts.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. So check us out there. Thanks so much. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Yeah, I'm all right, Alison. How are you today? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, very good. How's it going in Portugal? Are you are you there for a while? Yes, I'm going to be here now, I think, until Christmas at least. So I've got oh. a few weeks. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's nice to be nice to be home and not and not traveling so much. Yeah, yeah. it really takes it out of you. Yeah, it really, especially now with everybody being sick in Europe. I mean, I'm just you know, I'm just still you know recovering a little bit. I've got no desire to get back on a plane with thousands of sw- sneezing people. I know, and um, it seems to be a bad flu going around. I mean, a lot yeah, of yeah, it's yeah. They yeah. always said this is going to happen after COVID because everybody stayed indoors for two or three years, mm. so they're going out and about we're all spreading germs again and nobody's quite prepared for it yeah um, it's gross it's gross okay. so yes very happy to be indoors and warm and not on a plane yeah sounds like a good idea and walking up your mountain walking up the mountain that's mm-hmm. what i'm gonna be doing exactly staying away from anybody with a cough exactly yeah. Well, last week we said we would look at news headlines and market events. Um, and, well, we thought with the release of hostages on both sides of the Israel-Hamas conflict, we would mm-hmm. hit the war um, in the Middle East and how it's affecting currencies and commodities. Um, and we thought we'd give a bit brief overview of how markets react during times of, of conflict. Um, yeah, so I, ho- I hope you guys... Uh, find this interesting. Uh, we certainly do. And uh, it gives you a very good overview of, of why the markets are reacting the way they are. Yeah, or not in many cases. No, um, exactly. No, yeah, f- fundamental analysis of conflict is, is complicated um, and its effects are complicated. But let's start at the top. You know, So on Saturday, 7th of October, as I'm sure our listeners know, Hamas launched a massive attack into southern Israel from its stronghold in the Gaza Strip. Unusually, um, the Israeli government was caught completely by surprise. Um, Israeli's intelligence agencies are infamous for infiltrating Palestinian militant networks. And they pretty much always, they snuff out potential threats long before they become reality. But not this time. And um, because Israel was caught by surprise, so was the world. And consequently, the global financial markets were too caught by surprise. Mm. And the market reaction so far has been exactly as as most fundamental analysis uh, would expect, though there have been some interesting variations. Yeah, they they definitely have been. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess if we start with the, with the dollar, um, mm-hmm. it's often seen as a safe haven asset, which means that investors and traders will move their money into it uh, during times of uncertainty and risk. And uh, the dollar, which is represented by the, you know, the dollar index, received an immediate boost uh, after uh, the beginning of the, the, the attack as traders moved to safe haven assets. But once the shock of the attack wore off, the dollar actually fell against most major currencies. Um, and so has the dollar index. 
And and traders believe that until proven otherwise, that the war will remain localized and more traditional fundamental factors like inflation and interest rates are more important. And you would have seen that the, the market is definitely reacting to what's happening with inflation and interest rates more so than it is to what's happening in the Middle East at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but one asset that did move and is still moving is gold. Uh, it's the godfather of safe haven assets. Every time a war breaks out, especially a major one, especially a surprise one, uh, gold prices rise. And this time was no exception. Uh, throughout October, gold prices soared. And while, while the war in Israel was a catalyst for this really bullish move, uh, there's other factors at play here. Gold had suffered a torrid uh, few months in the face of a strong US dollar. I think it fell from a peak of over um, 2050 uh, in May to lows of 1,815 uh, right before the uh, right before the conflict broke out. Yeah, yeah, which is quite crazy, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if you look at crude oil, uh, they've also been on a on a roller coaster. So after they rose in summer. Um, and then they spiked after the Saudi Arabian Russian uh, Russia announced that they were going to cut um, supply. They were going to continue to cut supply till the end of the year. Um, but then you saw in September, at the end of September, prices collapsed because of the mm-hmm. concerns of the sustained fall in in uh, global growth. Yeah. Um, and this situation was turned on its head by the the attack on Israel. Israel's not a major oil producer. But still, the prospect of war becoming international conflict with people worried about Iran and Saudi Arabia getting involved spooked traders enough to push crude oil up over the psychological $85 a barrel level, um, which was was a huge boost. Yeah. Um, But both commodities have seen their fortunes change somewhat recently. Uh, so to the casual observer, there's an appearance of synchronicity between the recent fall in prices uh, in the two assets. However, there's look very very different fundamental factors going on here, each uh, weighing on each commodity, and, and their outlooks are very different. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you you wrote about that I think last week, Chris, or the week before we you mm. wrote. Yeah, the, the I think the week before. Yeah. yeah, and um, hedge funds and other oil traders have also turned their attention to the economic news from China, uh, the EU, and the USA, and this combination of a perceived lower war risk and potential global recession has forced oil prices back down. So Russia has not helped matters, uh, of course, because uh, despite agreeing to the extension of these production cuts, uh, recent data shows that its oil <laughs> exports are at a six-month high. Um, yeah, what a shock. Anyone, every, <laughs> any favors, yeah. <laughs> what a shock. The Russians say one thing and do another. Uh, yeah, but they haven't, they haven't, they haven't helped. But traders are now looking worried over the economic impact of, you know, elevated interest rates. We, it looks like we're going to have these well into 2024 now. Yeah. Um, so all the prices are going to struggle to find support, you know, even with further production cuts. So, you know, you know, which and these production cuts are far from certain. OPEC Plus just postponed a recent meeting uh, that it arranged to discuss further cuts. And then the context of this means that the, the meetings that OPEC Plus usually have, they're usually just a rubber stamp to agree on production cuts. And so the postponement of the meeting means that the Saudis probably don't have the support mm. for a unified OPEC Plus cut. So, yeah, oil prices are looking uh, that, you know, they're very much subdued at the moment. And look, any flare up in this conflict, if it looks like it might uh, involve Lebanon, might get involved uh, Hezbollah or, God forbid, 
uh, Iran, um, this is going to push prices higher. But what we're really looking at here with US, China, and Europe, these are the three major drivers of global growth. They're all slowing, and they're all looking to 2024. It looks like they're going to have a tough year. And so the long-term upside for crude oil is really hard to find. Yeah, and then, um, of, of course, at the end of October, the threats of a wider conflict in the Middle East, when it when it began to fade, um, there was little support for the gold prices. So it fell considerably, dropping from around 2000 to about 1940. Um, yeah. But this was very short-lived, and and uh, as we know, gold and the US dollar are very are negatively correlated, uh, which means that if the price of the dollar goes up, gold does, goes down, and uh, vice versa. And this is mainly because uh, gold is priced in in dollars, so a cheaper dollar means cheaper gold. Uh, so the demand for gold increases. Yeah, what we've started to see over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. So with the conflict uh, not really in the equation anymore for gold prices, support for gold prices is at the mercy of the Federal Reserve and its interest rate decisions um, and a wider risk sentiment, um, basically uh, demand for the dollar. And markets are now pretty much certain that the Federal Reserve is not going to raise interest rates in December. And so the dollar is weak. The dollar is looking weaker than it has in a long time. Yeah, so the outlook for gold is quite different than for crude oil. You know, you're going to see a, probably a sustained weakness in the U.S. dollar, and gold prices should remain elevated for some time. Again, if this conflict uh, looks like it's going to kick off, it's going to get worse. They will get um, they will get a major boost. Mm. Um, but even without that, uh, they're sustained. I think I think we're looking at elevated prices. I can see today they're back over the two thousand handle again. So and I, I'm, and that doesn't surprise me. No. Um, so yeah, the long term. Uh, the long-term outlook for gold, I would say, is relatively bullish, uh, whereas the long-term outlook for crude um, is relatively bearish. And so, yeah, so while immediately after the conflict, they both looked like they were heading in the same direction, um, they're actually uh, actually uh, heading in quite different directions now. Yeah, that's very interesting. So it's very important that you put all the pieces of that puzzle together to really get a proper uh, feel for what's going to happen rather than sort of blanketing. Mm-hmm. And then a quick note just on the Israeli shekel and all this is when Hamas first invaded, the shekel fell about about um, 6% against the dollar and the Israeli central bank spent about $7 billion supporting it. And quite a few speculators were trying to short sell it, though they were wary of the central bank's ability to support it. And they were right to be wary because the shekel yep. is the world's top performing currency this month and the currency has ridden, risen about 8% in November to 3.74 shekels per dollar. And it, it basically, it's more than reversed a fall of nearly 6% in the first 20 days of the conflict. So it's, it's very interesting what, what happened there as well. Yeah, it is exactly. And everybody, I mean, yeah, when there was uh, this, look, this is a sign that investors believe that the war is going to remain contained, that it's not going to be, there's not going to be contagion to the wider Middle East. But it also reflects this wariness, you know, in the Israeli government's willingness to defend the currency. You know, short sellers are, uh, uh, you know, pretty spooked, you know, by the Israeli central bank's currency reserves. And, and uh, you know, and they have good reason to be. So, yeah, no, but yeah, so if you if you had got into the shekel in the right place, um, and uh, but I mean, it's not exactly a widely traded uh, currency pair, the USD ISL. No. But it's still interesting. It's an yeah. interesting one to see. Look, and finally, look, this conflict um, is polarizing. Um, I know it's getting a lot of headlines around the world, and it's led to serious geopolitical upheaval. But it's not really a huge market event. 
certainly not in the way that Russia's invasion of Ukraine was. Yes, we've seen commodities like so crude and gold have been affected, and certainly the Israeli shekel has been affected. But the major currency bears, you know, have seen very little contagion from this. And, and most equity markets have largely ignored it too. Yeah, and and why is this? It's it's basically about risk because unfortunately this conflict happened has happened. I mean, it, it's happened so many times before, so the mm-hmm. markets know what to expect. Um, and as long as it doesn't drag the major players in the Middle East into it, there's little risk to the wider global markets, and they know this. So the mm-hmm. surprise attack, you know, it it, it shocked markets in the beginning and there was a short-term immediate reaction but it now looks like the conflict will only involve israel and palestine so the market risk is much lower and um yeah people aren't so worried you know they the the markets aren't so worried about it anymore exactly exactly and and this is why the market's reaction to the russian invasion of ukraine was so different uh the risk there was huge compared to this you know russia is nuclear armed unpredictable and and a huge oil and nat- natural gas producer, uh, and the Russia-Ukraine war is very rare. There's no there was no precedent for market analysts to compare this to. The risk there is so much higher and undefinable, even um, yeah. which is even more terrifying. Uh, so markets freaked out. Uh, oil and gas prices went through the roof, and we're still dealing with the inflationary effects of that now. Yeah. Uh, equities crashed globally or around the world, and the U.S. dollar absolutely went went through the roof as well as everybody piled in. Um, so that was a very different situation. And I, get, I guess the important thing is that when you're trying to identify the important fundamental aspects of a conflict and how it's going to affect markets, you need to understand the risk that conflict is produ- producing, uh, specifically how much risk it is producing and which asset classes are most affected by that risk. Um, those are the, really the, 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 thing, the factors you need to uh, look at here. So as bloody and as awful and as headline-grabbing as the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is, the market risk is actually relatively low. And so traders need to take this into account when they're, when they're looking um, at the, uh, the fundamental aspects of, of conflict and how it will affect the markets. Yeah, yeah so we just wanted to run that, by, uh, run that by people. I hope they found it interesting. Let us know if you've got any questions. And uh, next week, uh, what are we talking about next week? Are we going to have, go through three different ways to, uh, to help your trading. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so we want to talk about three three basic ways uh, that you can improve your trading without having to overhaul your whole strategy, but, you know, just some tweaks that you can make to, to improve your trading performance. Yeah, I think it'll be a really good one, Alison. I'm sure people enjoy that. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. I'll speak to you then. Speak to you then. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Alison.